Um, um, that was one of the most amount of difficulties we had setting up a thing in a long time. All right, so listeners, sorry to bring you behind baseball, but so what happened is that sometimes Zencaster, the program that we pay for to record this thing, uh, decided to introduce a one to three second lag. Uh, we tried rebooting and restarting one and all of that. One to three, he says. That, it was like, on my end, it was like six to 20. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. I had this problem uh, with on 10,000 losses with Kate Wagner, but... Yeah, uh, so thanks uh, for providing a service that sucks ass. I love the future. <laughs> this is the One opposite of an ad read. Future. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing an anti-ad read. You fuck, <laughs> yeah. What's up, Spotify? What's up, Spotify? I still haven't responded to those emails, have I? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, it's a bonus episode. Yeah, it is, we're, it we're is a bonus episode. In under the line of getting this out in April, because once again we have had to like rapidly change Scramble. our plans. We're scrambling. We're scrambling. This is what happens when the guest falls through for perfectly good reasons, but you have to record an episode at short notice. I wrote this one, and I'll be honest, boys. There's nothing to this. This is this is me vamping. You are going right. to hear me vamp for twenty nine slides and however long it takes. That's fine. Uh, let's bang this out. I got a yeah. I got a wedding stroll to be at in an hour and a half. So oh god, what is a we- a what a wedding stroll? I got I got to go to a wedding stroll. The, what the, is a the, wedding the, stroll? What is a wedding? Vendor. There's there's vendors right, and then I go and I pitter patter amongst them, and they tell me uh, here are our wildly overpriced trinkets and things for your wedding. Uh, please write us a check for seventy eight hundred dollars, and because I. I'm stupid, and also uh, desperately wish to make my my fiance happy, and will spend any amount of money to do so. Uh, it's it's a uh, yeah. Here I give them checks. So thank you, patrons, for funding my wedding. We we had the cheapest possible wedding uh, at a registry office. It, I mean, it was like Vegas. It was great. Uh, well. Yeah, I so my thing is I uh, I've actually always wanted sort of I I don't know if you know this Alice mm. but I have a, a flair for the dramatic right oh sure and you want your princess I, moment that's fine yeah. you know yeah I want my princess moment uh, <laughs> I I don't feel shame in saying that I know no. that I I'm getting some judgment you know from some people like oh why are you doing that that's not the way we did it which, to which I say blow me I want to feel like a pretty pretty princess <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely no I it, it wasn't like super important to me and also we didn't have the money or time. So I, I didn't like uh, our wedding was like remarkably uh, bureaucratic and fast and like you know it was good though I uh, it started it, a it's a good way to get married wedding yeah pretty much I mean you both like it, civil weddings in Britain you just you sign a thing together and it's like okay you're married now fuck off um, oh, I think there should great. be like lots more paperwork for a Kafka <laughs> wedding oh, like an hour yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's the machine in triplicate in triplicate you there's... find out you're actually married to the registrar at the end of it yeah there's a machine that carves your vows oh. into your back <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus man yeah i uh no i mean i i i am going to get Corinne the 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 fairy tale wedding she's always dreamed of and that i'm always dreamed of except for my scotch fountain which the venue will not let me have due to quote safety concerns oh, i mean well. Bloody woke culture. Anyway, yeah, I have to say, yeah. yeah, I once again I'm being canceled by big wedding venue uh, <laughs> because they won't let me uh, have a, a fountain that rains down scotch. 
into people's eyes, like directly. The yeah, eyewash yes. stations also filled with scotch. <laughs> yes. you, you try and bang on the doors, behind the doors, giant wall of scotch waiting to like bust in. <laughs> the, um, elevator, the elevator opens and the scotch Like the shining, yeah. Like Titanic, yeah. Oh yeah, the shining, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, one of the things that's very funny to me is uh, I, I do intend to, for the people in the wedding party, uh, of which Roz is. Uh, I Roz, we're gonna do one of those F one champagne celebrations on the front steps. Oh, nice! Uh, we're gonna we're gonna buy uh, goggles for the wedding party. Uh, I don't actually know if they'll let us do this, but at that point, we'll be being kicked out of the venue anyway. Yeah. So it's not, like, it's not like I'm ever gonna see that deposit again, right? <laughs> they can't so, yeah. threaten you with anything. Yeah. yeah and you were already I've, married at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I wore a I wore a bad religion fuck armageddon this is hell shirt to uh, nice. my graduation and i took it off immediately after i had received my <laughs> diploma my robe i mean not the shirt and i got yelled at and i was like i'm physically holding it in my hands like you can do nothing to me yeah, <laughs> yeah what are they gonna do take the ring back off your finger i don't yeah. think so yeah um, hey buddy buddy <laughs> but, i know it felt good to be married but now you gotta go to jail <laughs> but so we're going to talk about an uh, an aviation disaster uh, for oh, this week. Ask me about bonus. our flight home from New Orleans. Oh my god! Uh, and it's better if you haven't seen any of the like the title or the title card of this video, and you don't know anything. Um, and possibly if we describe it in as vague as terms as possible, uh, because it's just it's an aviation disaster. And what it what it transpires to be, I think it's best if it's a sort of a building horror. Yeah. So first. We must ask ourselves, next slide, please. What? What's the deal? What's no. the deal? Do it at both. With Do it at both. Airline food. I can confirm that Roz does not have a 17-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> it was more of a Cuomo. Yeah, yeah I was trying to do a Cuomo, actually, on that. <laughs> oh, uh, well, you still don't have a 17-year-old girlfriend. Uh, Andrew Cuomo's sitcom, Cuomo. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Right after Heil, Heil, honey, I'm home. <laughs> That's right. Next slide, please. So, uh, a potted history yeah. of airline food, largely copied from the Wikipedia article "Airline Meal." Oh. Well, I put um, a couple things in here, actually. Oh hell yeah! Uh, yeah. Uh, so please, yes. So, uh, for a long time, serving vehicle, uh, uh, serving food on moving vehicles has always been like difficult. Right. So mm -hmm. like back in the day, you had stagecoaches. Those are some of the earliest like scheduled passenger transport between places. Um, you know, they would stop at inns. Right. Uh, and you would eat there because, you know, the horse has a limited amount of horse in it. It has to stop, too. Right. Why? So, you know, they're, they're, you know, serving is meals this... is difficult. It's easy on ships where there's Ross, a lot of Ross, space. Ross, can I ask you a question? Can what? I ask just real quick? You know, that Donald Trump weird conspiracy theory where he believes that your body only has like a certain amount of energy before you die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you also believe that? No, but I'm saying you can't run the horse all day and night. The horse has to stop. <laughs> mm -hmm. The horse, yeah, difficult to eat on horseback as well. Yeah. Um, the horse can't eat while it's trying to yeah. cook beans. <laughs> God <Yeah>. damn it! <laughs> the vehicles just aren't aren't big enough, right? You don't you don't have like the facilities in a, in a stagecoach where you can reasonably uh, store you're, a you're, meal you're and eat it out for back. later. You're cooking out back. Yeah, actually, this is this is an open question, and I, I present it to the viewer. Uh, cooking on zeppelins because that's the, like the largest form of transport, like after ships for a while, right? I, 
you have to figure they were cooking in there. But on the uh, other hand, imagine they, they sparking did, up the gas stove they, they, in the fucking. They did have a galley on Zeppelins, yes. Um, mm. You know, yeah. on, on Enjoy ships, some, like d- delicious Nazi sauerkraut yeah, or whatever. Exactly, exactly. A big sausage. You mean Liberty cabbage? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, 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 your your stagecoaches did not have meals on board. Um, your ships had meals on board because it's easy to put a galley in that. There's a lot of space on a ship. Um, railroads did not have uh, meals on board initially. The train would stop at something called an eating house that would be next to like a water stop for the steam locomotive, right? And they'd say, "All right, everyone off, go eat in five minutes and come back." Right, and, and really they, leaning into the iron horse thing. You yeah. gotta feed the steam engine too. Yes, exactly. Uh, so everyone sort of crammed as much food as they could in in that short period of time and then got back on the train. Usually the food was pretty bad um, because, you know, they, this is sort of the 1870s, 1880s. There's no refrigeration or anything. Well, you're eating like stale, rancid bacon and shit like that. You know, it's, oh, but, you but also like, you believe that if you eat it on the move, your stomach will explode. That's also true. Yeah. Um, by the 1880s, we start seeing these things called dining cars. They have a little kitchen on board, right? Uh, they start becoming more and more common, though the uh, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad kept contracting with um, the Eating House Company, the Fred Harvey Company, until the 1930s. Uh, eventually, it becomes practical to throw the whole kitchen on the train. You get mechanical refrigeration. You get all this other stuff. It becomes much more practical to serve these meals on board, much more hygienic, Um and eventually even luxurious, right? Um, mm. So this is this is all really good for trains. Uh, but then we have this, we invent this horrible thing called the airplane, right? Yes. Um, and yes. all this stuff becomes much more difficult again on the airplane. Because <laughs> an, an airplane and an airplane is much smaller. Um, as you can see here by the fact that these are children. These are, this is child labor on these slides. We have two... And they called them this cabin boys of Daimler Airway, um, which is one of the things that you know got consolidated into British Airways. Um, and these were the first uh, like cabin crew, as we would now understand them, the first stewards, um, and also sold the first food that you could like eat on a plane, which is like lunch boxes with cold sandwiches in them. And coal um, and, and coal sandwiches. Yeah, coal exactly. Sandwiches. A big a big sort of anthracite sandwich. And like mm, part part of, their, part of their job was like to go to the market to where the plane landed, source some like fruit and veg and like, you know, cold chicken and whatever, in order to make up these lunch boxes. Um and I mean this is sort of how airline food is for the first, you know, twenty th- like Actually, no, because like airlines advance very quickly. But the first 10, 15 years of airlines, it's like it maxes out at like you get a sack full of cold chicken. Um, yeah. You think maybe... they at least give you like it's not, chicken? It's not a, they just they just give you the chicken. You have yeah. to actually slaughter it yourself. Well, you think uh, at least yeah. you get like chicken salad, which is at least good when it's cold, you know? No, no, no. Mm. Fuck they, you. They you had, get nothing like it. They also hadn't invented food that was good back then. If food no, that was I mean, good yeah. was invented in like 1995. One, one <laughs> thing that keeps cropping up is like cold fried chicken. <laughs> I I have had cold fried chicken on purpose, like cold hot fried chicken, mm-hmm. uh, which is a mind fuck. And if done correctly, it's good. I assume that this was not done correctly. It's sort of like picnic food. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And like, you know, the other thing was um, uh, for air sickness, which everybody had because no one was used to flying and also these early planes are terrifying, yeah. was chewing gum. Um, you might get like tea and coffee and like a thermos or something when those were invented, but like... Jesus Until then, like Christ. a like an urn that was like insulated as best you could, you know. I, I would hope sure. that I would at least get shitloads of like scotch, you know. I I I, I think I want... you have to bring that. Oh my god! I'll the, I'll bring it. I don't care. It's but... like nineteen fifteen. I should be able to get alcohol on the plane. It's, it, I mean, There's if it's no like adds coffee, weight, just... Roz, it adds raw. It adds. I don't listen to that as Roz. Wait, uh, that's not what I. That's what I wanted. <laughs> but you can just like bring your sort of like cocaine eye drops um, and your laudanum, uh, and you can just have like a nice flight. There's I ghosts guess. in my blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> next, next slide, please. Um, so, but airlines, airlines advance pretty quickly, and you you get like flying boats. Um, and this is. You know, they're large enough that, you know, they can become quite luxurious, and particularly Pan Am uh, is sort not, of the leader this, in this. This doesn't look luxurious. I mean, I it's, it a, it's in Relative a plane. To the yeah, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, this is the dining room on a Boeing 314 Clipper, um, and these sort of, like, long-haul flying boat routes... Um, you know, the, the flying boats themselves got bigger and bigger, and so you could have, like, staterooms, and it, it was very much, like, along the boat model rather than the flying model. Um, it's got, a, go it's next... got a bulkhead and everything, you know? Yeah, it's got yeah, yeah. square windows. Uh, <laughs> if you go to the next slide, you can see, like, a, a Wes anderson ass. The, the windows yeah. will be blown out, much like your rectum will be blown out from this food. Yeah. <laughs> and And, like... You know, this I took is... a gnarly shit in a Home Depot earlier today. Cool. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, just is... to, I just wanted to annoy you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, this is like a luxury was it thing, in, though. Was it in a working toilet or display toilet? <laughs> <laughs> the display <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Horrible. So I, you're I like... love this diagram. I love this. I know. It's it's really it's really cool, right? It's like the life aquatic with Steve's is so. But, uh, like, the food is consommes and like you know julienne shit it's like a luxury thing and it's yeah. a luxury treat on the very high end of passenger aviation the same way that now like a first class seat in emirates comes with a free eagle what um, are we what are we talking about in terms of passenger capacity versus like crew Ooh, let me just google that up for you real, <laughs> right yeah, quick. no problem just I'll leave, leave the mechanical typing sound <laughs> in <Yes. laughs> Boeing 314. Oh, uh, I see. Capacity for 77 daytime passengers as the 314A. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's a real it's a it's a giant so this boat. So this is this is this is man, so it's a giant boat rather than a plane, really. It's a yeah. boat that happens to be able to fly. I like yeah, this exactly. guy in the engine here. Is there like a walkway <laughs> just... to the engine? Like, how does that work? I think honestly there may have been, uh, but he's just he's yeah. just hanging out in there doing the you know trying uh, to get a smoke. Try, just trying to get a smoke, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is cool. I one of the things uh, I I I noticed. Uh, well, obviously, there's there's many indignities to flying now. Mm, uh, yes. Just uh, even though we're we're you know people hate our people hated Roz because he told the truth about flying. Yeah, uh, and I, for those of you who are like, "Oh, Roz, Roz bitches too much about flying," you have not been on an airplane with him. I, 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 <laughs> I just want to say, I took United Airlines first class last week, 
And that should be the minimum standard for what flying is. And then I was forced yeah. into steerage with <laughs> Liam and Derek on the way back on the worst ride I've taken forced. in my life. I don't life. know that you were forced. I, I don't know that you were forced. I was forced into steerage. You um, could have taken the flight the next day. You chose of your own volition not to. I had at no point did I put, I'm, no I'm point, sorry. At no point at no point was a gun brandished. At no point were you taken hostage. You were you were always able to leave whatever you wanted. No, because I'm sorry that you that didn't get to fly first class both ways. I Yeah. All I could say is... got a refund for $8. Did you sort that out yet? I have not sorted that out yet. I need to figure sort out how to out. get United to suck my dick. One of the things I... <laughs> one of the things I, 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 I just want to say is that if uh, Newark Airport has been closed due to bad weather, you will also have an unpleasant time flying into Philadelphia Airport at the same time. Uh, it was fine. It was it, fine. It was not fine. <laughs> it was fine. Did, did was, you experience some turbulence while you didn't... While, while you were back in steerage? <laughs> Well, we were also the last row, so we were really feeling oh. it. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right in the ass end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were. Yeah. And all I, all I could, all I could see was like Derek trying to comfort Roz, kind of in yeah, vain. Yeah. And I was like, I'm four seats over. Like that motherfucker's on his own. Yeah. I <laughs> like a, a revolutionary war painting. All, they should let us smoke on planes again. All I can say is that, like, um, you know, I, I almost had this moment where I could tolerate air travel, and then it was all brought back into focus by that flight. Uh, no, yeah. no, airline can be eliminated. I, I can, <laughs> I can segue back to the, the yeah. thing here by saying, you know who else had a horrible time on airplanes Give against their will? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a shitload of dudes in World War II because they yes. had to fly places, um, and... They got hungry, and they're not flying them in these big fucking flying boats that have, if you know, a galley with like a guy in a chef's hat in it. Uh, they're flying them in like Dakotas and shit. Um, which leads to yeah. What's the meal plan on a B twenty nine? Let's find out. Yeah, next slide, please. I don't think they have okay. these on B twenty nines, but this is, uh, well, uh, this guy William Maxon. Invents right. and I, I feel like I should do like the the way of the future voice here the sky plate, um, also known as the strato meal, um, because yes, the naval the air transport strato meal. <laughs> Sick yeah. name to be fair. I do like that the food. It's a it's a black and white photo. So the food that I assume is brown and gray is now uniformly gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. He does this for the Naval Air Transport Service because they're like, we want to give these poor fuckers who are in like a transport plane a hot meal. Um, and then he carries it over to Pan Am when the war ends. And what it is, is it's a prepackaged thing of like one meat, two vegetables, in a three-part paper fiber dish. Um, and then you freeze, you make that, you freeze it in bulk, um, and then you take it onto the plane and you reheat it at will in... Maxon's Whirlwind, yes, which is the fabulous Maxon's Whirlwind. <laughs> this, this little like cabinet, this like six dish tall, twenty four volt DC electric oven for fifteen minutes. You've and invented just... the TV dinner. Uh, yes, that, no, literally. Is, uh, yes, this is also a uh, easy bake oven. <laughs> <laughs> it's like warmed over a light bulb, more or less, and you get like. Fucking whatever horrifying food you got in the 1940s, Salisbury steak or whatever, yeah. lightly warmed, um, 
And th like, this is what airline food is like. That's that's the model for a long time. Is it's a tray and you reheat it. It still basically is. Um, this is also a key component in the invention of the TV dinner. Um, oh, but I really should learn to read the notes. I I, I wouldn't worry about it. They're put together very hastily. Yeah. Um, I well, I have I have more since we got to fill this one out. Oh, uh, please. I actually I actually think first class should be banned at this point. Uh, if mm. I see one more video of the points guy being like, oh, this is what Air France gets you. Oh, they pick your luggage up at the gate. I'm going to. I, I, I have a theory. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, have, I, I have a theory sorry. about this. My theory about this what? is that first class should be allotted uh, in a sort of like uh, random chance basis to people from economy. And then anyone who actually booked first class doesn't get to fly. So oh, I, I think uh, okay, yes. You change nothing, and then each time you have a like a I, I don't know, I don't even know what the percentages would be, like a one in a hundred, a one in thirty, uh, you know, one in fifty chance of like getting an upgrade to first class. But they still have to do all of the same unsustainable first class bullshit where they give you the free eagle or like Lufthansa lets you do burnouts on the tarmac in a Mercedes or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and yeah, it, that's just random. They they gave us champagne at the gate on United First Class, which is actually quite nice. I enjoyed that. Um, Did you get free drinks on in, on the way down too? Like, uh, yeah, I got yeah. There were free drinks on the way down. I had like two Stellas, and it was it was even in a glass that was made of glass. It was really nice. Um, the seats were nice and wide. Um, the the window was still very small because it's an Airbus. Uh, you know, which yeah. is miserable. Um, I, my, my review of uh, United First Class is it's slightly nicer than Amtrak Acela, but uh, not as nice as Frecchia Rasa Premium uh, in Italy. Uh, yeah, you know what, what you need uh, as a yeah, as a, a Falk guy, as a fully automated luxury communism guy, is um, that you got to spend the big money, the like you know, over $10,000 a flight or whatever for something like a transatlantic first class uh, where you're in there for eight hours and they just give you like a little stateroom at this point, like a yeah. bed that folds mm -hmm. all the way down and out and shit. And like, um, yeah, that that's always fun to me. But the so emergency economy class ticket we bought on American on the way back was more than the United first yes, class it was ticket. $444, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Perverse uh, incentives. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was fucked up. It was a fucked up flight. Uh, yeah, I I will say that I have I have flown first class in American uh, all of two times. Uh, once because my fiance has the American credit card, and once because they offered me an upgrade to first class for like thirty bucks flying back from Orlando. You once. bourgeois fuckers! I have yeah. never flown first class. Uh, I've you flown fly. business class. Yeah. I, I don't fly, but like even I used to fly. Uh, and like I flew all the time when I was a kid, like unaccompanied. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I would I like don't... to point out that I am made to fly because I am marrying into a Disney family, and <laughs> I, I have to make the pilgrimage to the House mm -hmm. of Moss. You have to uh, you have to make the Hajj to, to Florida. Yes, uh, yes. Right. Yeah. I have to sweat my fucking nuts off. The other thing is uh, that domestic flying. It's just is... a mall. It's just a fucking mall you pay to go into. It's a hundred and fifty dollar a fucking day mall, and it doesn't include souvenirs, food, drinks, and you can't fucking get drinks at Magic Kingdom except with sit down service, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That is that is a crime against humanity. And 
And when you go to one of the very few restaurants that offer alcohol in the Magic Kingdom, they side-eye you. They're just like, oh, like, it drinks for everyone at the table? And it's like, yeah, bitch, I just dropped $290 to breathe your fucking air. Let me get a fucking cocktail. It's fucking ridiculous. So you're not feeling the enchantment. Now, the no. thing to note here is that domestic flights to the United States are in a two-class setup. So the uh, uh, first class is, I think, roughly equivalent to international business class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. got to get the I've never like done interna- yeah, international first yeah. class where I just uh, deplete all my mm. reserves. So Me I'm, either. I panic slightly less over eight hours. <laughs> I I have flown I have flown international uh I've only ever flown international economy but I will say when I went on birthright sorry I I was coming back from Israel sorry I was flying out of Tel Aviv and I a six one fat man got stuck in a middle seat on the twelve hour flight back from Tel Aviv with two pl- with two plus hours on the tarmac and I will say the uh, the flight attendant looked at my looked me in my eyes and said do you want wine. And I did. And she fucking kept it coming, baby. We landed at like 5 a.m. and I was hosed. It was great. And then I got on a, like a 6.15 a.m. Northeast Regional, still drunk as shit in Penn Station. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> I'm assuming like uh, LL First Class, the in-flight entertainment, just has a selection of videos of Palestinian teenagers just getting like... Shot oh, I assume you get to you get to murder the Palestinian teenager. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you have uh, control you, you, of the drone. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah. What's so? What's the subject that's gotten us most sidetracked yes. over the years of doing this podcast? Uh, you know what it is. Next slide, Flying. please. It's sandwiches. Yeah, we oh, talk about whenever there's like fucking a cheese steak or something shows up, we got to talk yeah. about sandwiches. So. We got to talk about a whole other war. We've done World War II. Now we've got to get into a much bloodier conflict. The 1958 Sandwich War. Um, I love this fucking story. I put this in. Barely relevant, but I put it in because I really enjoy it. So, okay. Ni- 1958, the jet age is happening. Uh, and jet tickets are getting too expensive. You know, package holidays haven't been invented yet. Um... And, you know, it's it's too expensive for people to fly in first. Business class kind of hasn't really been invented yet. Uh, and so the airlines have to invent economy class, uh, which is initially called austerity class, which I think is more honest. I kind of um, like that, yeah. I actually prefer that. Don't lie to me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all in the economy, but, like, only some of us are in austerity. Um, but as we've mentioned before on, like, air-related ones, uh, airlines are incredibly, weirdly tightly regulated until about the 70s when the airline industry is allowed to deregulate itself. Um, And IATA, the International Air Travel Association, orders that in economy class you can only serve coffee, tea, mineral water, and sandwiches. Um, And then Europe sort of fights back. Swiss Air, in this fantastic case of malicious compliance, serves a full meal entirely in sandwich form. God bless them. Yep. Twelve small, like, finger appetizer sandwiches, a main course sandwich, and two dessert sandwiches. I've never said this sentence before. God bless the Swiss. Yep. (laughs) SAS, Scandinavian Air Systems, they do these uh, open-faced sandwiches, you know, very Scandinavian, but they, like, sort of upsell them. They put stuff like ox tongue and asparagus on them. Um, 
And this pisses off TWA and Pan Am so much that they appeal to Ayata and, and like have them issue a ruling on this. Um, and I get two great quotes from this. First of all, I have a spokesman from Swiss Air who said, Every man is entitled to his concept of a sandwich, and we have ours. The company will defend its sandwiches to the end. <laughs> I, mean, I just love the, the idea of, yeah, right? Just like a guy, oh, you, you, you need to defend yourself against Iata. Welcome to the Glock sandwich. Uh, <laughs> we, we, take, we take two pieces, right, of artisan bread, and then what we do is we put a Glock between them. <laughs> Unfortunately for civilization, though, the Americans fucking win. And oh, the... boo! I know. The ruling is, and this is verbatim, a sandwich must be cold, simple, unadorned, and inexpensive, and must consist of a substantial and visible chunk of bread. Suck, suck me off. Suck me off. And That's fucking horrible. Any materials normally regarded as expensive or luxurious, such as smoked salmon, oysters, caviar. That's anti Semitic. That's anti Semitic. <laughs> yeah, I was about what to say. What am I supposed to do? That's anti Semitic. Game, asparagus, foie gras, as well as over generous or lavish helpings which affect the monetary oh, value of the unit. Shit. So according, are according prohibited. To, according to American uh, Airlines, not American Airlines, the uh, airline, but American Airlines as uh, airlines which are American, both pastrami sandwiches and lox are not a sandwich. Yeah, I bet they're not, <laughs> you fucking wasps. <laughs> oh, isn't, that, isn't that convenient? Hey, Jew oh, boy. Hey, we've replaced your we've replaced your train with a plane. Now you can fly to the camps and not get a good sandwich. <laughs> oh, to really twist the knife, they fine Scandinavian air services uh, twenty thousand dollars for calling American sandwiches rubbery indigestibles they, in an ad. They are. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Truth is, you know, the first casualty of like they, uh, they hated bring, SAS like, for saying the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> airline court. Fucking nail them up, why don't you, you dickhead? <laughs> and it stays this way for the next ten years until they deregulate in the seventies, which is my next slide, um, where the airline industry just decides to get weird with it um, because. You can do whatever you want. You can set your own routes. You can compete with each other. You got the 747. You got, less impressively, but this is legitimately when this was invented, the little rolling cart to deliver meal trays is a 70s invention. Um, and so airlines start like jazzing up their menus, working with chefs, trying to study why food tastes like nothing when you eat it on a plane, um, and like what to do about that. And, the answers to those respectively are you are stressed, there's noise and there's thinner, staler and drier air because you're breathing everybody's old farts and shit. And the way you combat it is by putting in more spice, more salt and more sugar. Um, but it gets like too much. Like this is table side carving. Uh, I, I want to say this is like Lufthansa. Um, Cathay Pacific did a flaming baked Alaska, which I bet the pilots loved getting the smoke alarm things for. Everyone was smoking, though. It was fine. Don't worry about that. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, you can yeah. just light up a cigarette. It's fine. It barely yeah. even made a dent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one country that existed during the 1970s, next slide, please, was Japan, hmm. seen here in the 1970s. Um, so what's, what's Japan up to in the 70s, you may ask? Um, well, 
the golden 60s are over, and the economy is fucked because the economy is happening, you know, the oil crisis and everything. Um, and so Japanese business is in this position where it has to do something, and the things that they do out of panic end up laying a lot of the groundwork for the economic boom of the 80s, like investing in miniaturization and like quartz wristwatches and shit. Um, but if we're playing sort of a big game of civilization here, America has already won a cultural victory, right? We're all, you know, wearing blue jeans. Um, you can't win a cultural victory if it's that big, though. It's true. But one thing that remained Shut extremely up, successful <laughs> in Japan was, next slide, please, the Coca-Cola Company. Oh, we love right-wing death squads. Yeah. What happens when you pay for every single sign on every single business everywhere? Right wing death squads? <laughs> and the right wing death squads. And the right wing um, death squads, obviously, yeah. Yeah, so, so Coke had established a Japanese affiliate in 1957. In 1962, they made a very wise business decision, which was to get into the vending machine business. Um, Japan, at the time, then and to an extent now, loved vending machines, and this made them a shitload of money. They were bulletproof all the way through the 70s. Uh, very, very successful. And so, you know, it's, it's a booming industry. The company's doing very, very well. Uh, and the, they decide, what we're going to do, we're going to do a competition to reward our, our guys. Um, and so our salesmen, the executives decide, can enter into this competition, they're going to win European vacations. They're going to go to Paris, they can bring their families, they can bring their wives, um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a great time. It's going to encourage uh, people to, like, sell more. Um, and a lot of people enter, some of them win. Next slide, please. On January 3rd, 1975. Oh, wow. boy. <laughs> so Tokyo to Anchorage to Copenhagen to Paris. Yeah, might as well just kill me, man. I ain't doing that. <laughs> it has to do refueling stops. Uh, you know that they, they that. haven't haven't worked out how to make engines efficient yet. So in order well, to get from Tokyo that. to Paris, it's also uh, it's also they didn't have e tops back then or whatever it's called. Uh, mm -hmm. You know your extended range thing where you can fly way out of the way of the airports. You know, uh, it, it also has to dodge Soviet airspace. Yes. Hold on. Are you what? Googling what ETOP stands for? Because yes, it stands for I... engines turn or passengers swim. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure I wasn't confusing it with the British rail uh, 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 train classification system. <laughs> Very similarly named. Alice. Yes. So, okay, yes, so January, January 3rd, God, 1975. <laughs> no, I was waiting for you to, like, skip back to the beautiful JAL 747. I mean, yeah. it's, it's nice, it's yeah. nice. Again, I'm not flying from Tokyo to oh. Anchorage to Copenhagen to Paris. I'd rather fucking kill myself. But uh, I like, I the, do... I like the, the crane on the tail. I like the sort of, like, tequila sunset, um, like, yeah, cheap Yeah, I line. mean, I like this, I like yeah, this it's, livery. It's a, a good-looking plane, yeah. We don't have livery anymore that's good on any airplane. No, I actually no. don't mind South Southwest, by and large, but... I, like I, have, the whole, I have a little uh, rant here. Um, go for it. Which is, when they do, whenever they do any anything, uh, railroads, airlines, whenever, uh, whenever anyone does, like, a throwback logo, sports teams... Whenever they're like, oh, this is our old shit, check out our old livery, our old branding. I'm like, if it's good enough that you want to remind me of it, 
why didn't you keep it? Yeah, why don't j- right. just go back? Just keep it. Just keep the old shit. Just keep doing it. You know, we've been through like fifty thousand Pepsi logos. You got it right the first time or second time, whatever. Just see bring, also just every single uh, image inside of Penn Station. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> just just leave it alone. Leave well enough alone. It mm-hmm. doesn't need more. De- d- design is a solved problem, right? It doesn't. Yes. If you want to design a new logo, have a new company. Don't yeah. don't fucking rebrand the old one. Nothing should change. That's yes. my most right wing point of view. Yeah. Keep old logos forever. Um, also, the other thing I like about the seven four seven, like the bare metal sort of like unhoused engines. Just yes. like hanging off that wing, oh, which yeah. has no sort of oh, like yeah. end on it. I really enjoy that. Um, but so, this is flying Tokyo to Paris, refueling in Anchorage and Copenhagen. Um, first leg, Anchorage, uh, Tokyo to Anchorage, that goes fine. Second leg, Anchorage to Copenhagen. Next slide, please. And this is an actual FO server, 70s JAL interior, which I found. Uh, and it's, it's 90 minutes out from Copenhagen, and mm. it's breakfast time. Next slide, please. So breakfast is a ham omelette. Mm. This is not the actual omelette. This omelette is a blameless omelette from a different airline used for illustrative purposes only. Um, I, I'm not even saying which airline. This omelette has been anonymized to protect the innocent. Um... But this it gives you a scent. That's what a ham right. omelette looks like. Yeah. If you don't know. Oh, this looks um, like a this looks like a nice first class style omelette. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, you it's an omelette. You, you know, know how, how I can bad feel can the grease off those potatoes. You I got, can tell you yeah, that. something that looks vaguely. This is like an AI blended a bagel and a croissant here. Um, <laughs> it's a crow bagel. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got miscellaneous juice. I I hope it's apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is some fruit that I would eat begrudgingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you feel shamed by handing a full thing back to yeah, the, like, the oh, yeah, right. I get it. You might as well yeah. just hang a sign onto me that says "fatty." I get it. <laughs> uh, next slide, please. As, Welcome as to we... Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters right. and also internal struggles with our weight. With our weight. <laughs> oh, we're struggling. We're struggling, boys. Um, <laughs> so we're pausing with, like, first fork full of ham omelette halfway to our mouth to ask, where does airline food come from? Um, well, uh, I assume the trash factory. It's from the yeah, catering truck. This is the truck. trash factory. It yes. comes from the okay. catering yes. truck, yes. and it, it lifts Ross up. Which is obsessed yeah. with for some reason. <laughs> it's, a it cute, it's a cute little cool. truck. You I was, love a yeah, catering I mean, truck, man. Ever since, <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to love all the little, like, accessory vehicles to a plane. You know, they all had their own thing going on. They had a clear sense of purpose, and I was like, yeah. one day I'll have one of those. I was wrong, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I like everything about the- air travel except the air travel part of it. this is this is the inside of the back of one of those catering trucks um this is (laughs) so since since the system is on the inside than it is on the outside yeah oh yeah Uh, it's it's rumored you got a sort of (laughs) a sort of tardis situation going on here Since we systematized what airline food was, like we talked about earlier, it's all made in these big industrial kitchens off-site, of which this is one. Um and specifically, these ham omelets were made at International In-Flight Catering, 
a 51% JAL-owned subsidiary in Anchorage. Um, and you may notice that none of these guys are wearing like gloves or masks or hairnets or anything else, but people don't do that in restaurant kitchens, right? So it's fine, you know, it's... It, People just, it's fine. It's fine. Next slide, also, please. Also worth noting here that uh, Anchorage International Airport was a very, 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 very important airport back in the day because of all the refueling you had to do. Most Trans-Pacific, a good number of Trans-Pacific flights would stop there. You know, it was just a good spot for going from various point A's to various point B's in the world if you had to stop you know, Pacific to refuel. Pacific Gander or, yeah. you know, Shannon. Um, yeah. Yes, next slide, please. Um, yeah, so this these are some beautiful, cool purple marbles lying on a bed of blue sand. Well, these are and, some kind of radar installation, right? <laughs> yes, and they're about to have a great time. These are Staphylococcus aureus, um, and wow. they live... They live in infected blisters on one chef's right index and middle fingers. Um... But it's fine, because they're too small for him to see, so he just puts bandages on them and he goes to work, and management is supposed to ask him if he feels sick, but they don't, and he doesn't, he thinks it's fine. Next slide, please. So he goes to work. Um, and there's yeah. three chefs, like these, making 220 ham omelettes. Um, and because okay, our guy... Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are we oh, calling this guy? Uh, we gotta come up with a name for him. Uh, uh, what's like they, a, never an Alaskan them. name? We need something that's I, Alaskan. Let, let's, let, let's, uh, I don't know, Will Rogers. Let's do Will, yeah, Rogers. Will Rogers. Okay, so Will Rogers, because Will Rogers is a go-guesser with a can-do attitude, he makes oh, 112 what? ham omelets himself. Oh, jeez. That sounds great. I love making omelets. I I really enjoy making that many omelets. I think. Can, can you <laughs> oh, yeah. can you make me one of those omelets like we had in New Orleans with the with the tater tots at them? I thought that Ooh. had a little bit too much. Well, I could oh, I agree. Do it. No, yeah, it was a little overdone. That was a little had, overdone. Had, yeah, that, right, right. But can I you make me an omelet with like that that nice little hollandaise I, drizzle it, on top that I got? That was not hollandaise. That was uh, gravy. Oh, sausage gravy. Yeah, it was sausage yeah, gravy, right. yeah, which I also thought was kind of weird. I would have put something else on top of that. Anyway. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so Will Rogers, uh, he makes 112 of these omelets himself. Um, and because he's goal-oriented and a team player, he helps the make. He, like, loads the ham into another 108 omelets. Right. Um... And we got uh, 220 ham omelets going out, uh, 112 yep. plus 108. Uh, every single one of those omelets has had uh, Will Rogers has had his hands on it. Um, and that's fine. Make all the omelets, goes well. Um, and then they store all of the omelets in the kitchen at room temperature for six yes. hours. Yes! Yes! I don't like this. I think that's going to ruin the flavor no, of the omelet. Gonna be, it's, uh, it's great. It's great. Fuck you. <laughs> just, just, like, coagulating. Then, they refrigerate them for another 14 and a half hours, but the refrigerator only goes down to 10 degrees Celsius. What's that? Like, 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 that's like 80 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Yeah, they, like, cool them rather yeah, than refrigerating yeah, yeah. them, really. Yeah, no, that's um, like uh, double and add 30. That is... 50? 20 plus 30. 50, 50 Fahrenheit, yeah. 50. 50. 50. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking 50. Yeah, Holy oh, shit. Boy. 
50 degrees. They're just hanging uh, out uh, in oh the, boy. and I, I put this in air quotes, refrigerator. Uh, That's not a refrigerator. 14 and a half That's, hours. No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then, then they put him in the uh, truck. You are going to shit through your mouths. <laughs> they put them on the truck, and the truck loads them into the plane, and the plane keeps them at room temperature in the galleys for another eight hours. Now, I should say, for the time, and to an extent now, like, the temperature is different, but in terms of the time your food waits for you to eat it on an airline, not unprecedented, probably not even unusual. That makes um, sense, yeah. It's, that's one of the reasons why they like frozen food. But they didn't freeze this. They didn't even refrigerate this. They just kind of left it. Um, why so, not just serve, like, exclusively cured meats? You know, that's probably the way to go here is just lots of cured meats. I don't meats. think... Yeah, throw me fa- some, famously throw curing... Throw me some delicious cure- cured meats. <laughs> Curing stuff is a great way to avoid, uh, like, uh, food health problems. That's why everyone gets the ceviche off of a taco truck. Next slide, please. (laughs) Ross likes to live dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) So, the cabin crew, they heat up all 220 omelets, and they serve all 220 omelets to, uh, you know... Oh, this poor guy smiling. Oh, he doesn't know. He's in for a world of hurt. They're, they're oh. excited. They're excited. They're going to go to Paris, you know, and they're almost in Copenhagen, which is cool. You can see Copenhagen out the window, I guess. Um, and, you know, you're going to have breakfast. I and can then hold you're Copenhagen gonna... in the palm of my hand. Yeah. And you're going to have a nice European vacation. Next, next slide, please. Uh, I don't like that I use the evil voice to talk about this stuff, but let's talk <laughs> about Staphylococcus aureus again, because Staphylococcus aureus is having the time of its life in these omelets. Um, and one of the things that Staphylococcus aureus does is it grows, it reproduces, it you know, digests stuff in the omelets, and it secretes a wide variety of what we call exotoxins, um, because they're secreted as opposed to endotoxins, which just chill in the cell wall. Um, and Staphylococcus aureus produces a shitload of exotoxins. Most of them are enterotoxins, um, which entero here means like intestinal. Um, and these are, if we go to the next slide, these are proteins, although I'm not scared of them because they are folding the way they're supposed to. They're doing exactly what they should do. Um, they're, they're following the instructions. Uh, and this here is a staphylococcal enterotoxin. Um, now, what this guy does is it gets into your guts and it starts opening pores in the cell walls of your intestinal cells. Mm. And this does two things. First of all, uh, it kills the cell. That's down the road. That's not a problem right now. The other problem is it makes them more permeable to chloride ions, which changes the osmotic concentration, uh, like how much solute there is in the solution of all of the stuff that's in your guts, of all of the stuff that's in your guts, causing uh, a lot of movement of like sodium and water very quickly resulting in next slide please ah. shitting and puking everywhere uh, um, yes the shits you got the shits. You had, as, the shits. as 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 Liam and I have so uh eloquently put it butt plague butt plague <laughs> yeah. butt yeah. plague yeah. butt plague <laughs> And the thing yeah, about this specific yeah, it's butt funny plague, because you don't know which hole it's coming out of. Well, no, oh, yeah. I mean, it looks the same coming out the top as it does going out the bottom. It That's the sure thing. does, I, buddy. <laughs> it's sort of a slurry, you know? And yeah. the, the key thing to note is that 
this is a, a, a fine distinction between exo and endotoxins. With an exotoxin, the onset is much more rapid than an endotoxic food poisoning. Um, this isn't like a you feel sick the next morning situation. This is a you feel sick right now situation, like right then. Um, hours at most. On a plane. On a full uh, plane. A Boeing 747 plane. Mm-hmm. Quite a large plane. Next. Yeah. 364 souls aboard. Next slide, please. So, there is no actual hard limit on the number of toilets on any given passenger airframe. Manufacturers will put in as many or as few as the clients want. If you wanted, you could start an airline that's like, no toilets, just hold it. In general, though... Oh, no. <laughs> for, for an airline, you want a ratio of about one toilet to every 28 to 32 passengers. Um, so if we if we open up our calculators here, 364 people aboard, be conservative, say one toilet for every 28 passengers, that's 13 toilets. Now, each hour plus one, 196 passengers and one flight attendant are sick. Oh, there are 13 no. toilets. No. Copenhagen is a half an hour away. Yeah. Imagine if you're one of the 24 people. Who weren't sick? You just looking at the like, chaos on like, ah, Middle fingers up. No, worst is, like, is you really have to piss. Uh, you <laughs> go in the suit. <laughs> Next slide, please. <laughs> so uh, I, I I put in an artist's impression of yes. what I think that looks like. <laughs> Let's let's be real. It's like the end of Event Horizon in there. I I like I like the uh, I like that this is our this is one of our uh, calling cards. It's just finding whichever like finding a Hieronymish boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Just slapping California housing policy across. (laughs) I mean, the sole thread by which you can continue to believe in the actions of a merciful God is that this happened half an hour away from the airport instead of in the middle of the Atlantic. If if this had happened, if this had been, like, the dinner service instead of the breakfast service, and you had, like, eight hours each way, I mean, I don't think that bears thinking about. I... Because no. I will oh, say geez. they probably would have landed the plane somewhere if that were the case. It would have been yeah, hard the, to find an airport ocean. in the Canadian like the Shield. beginning of Bioshock. Uh, no. Oh, there's always a lighthouse, I say, as I rip, <laughs> as I I rip my taint in two. You gotta land at fucking Alert or somewhere. <laughs> oh, congratulations, you live here now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say there was a there was a London to Dubai flight that turned back half an hour in, which meant they had to dump a shitload of fuel and everything because of one extremely smelly turd. Like, a dude took a shit in there, and they were like, this is too much of a health and safety <laughs> risk too, to too big of a shit. Yeah. Shit it's it's not big. going, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... I'm sorry, sir. This... Your shit was too big. <laughs> I mean, this, though, like, like a food poisoning thing with a kind of diarrhea that changes you as a person and, th- like... 200 other people have it, there's like 300 people in there, you're all locked in together, 
all 364 of you are now locked together in a sacred, horrible, unholy bond. You have seen things you should never have seen. You have all shit and puked over each other. I mean, I've been it's there. An absolute nightmare scenario. Um, next slide, please. This is sort of like my nightmare level of social anxiety. Whenever anyone says return to you about air travel, I want you to picture this very tasteful 70s interior steeped in in like liquid human fecal matter. Okay, but yeah. consider it could by could be three by three seating. Uh, yeah. steeped in even more liquid <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know what you're complaining about. Derek and I didn't have a buddy between us. It was great. Three by three, except for our our, our two in three. So we would have had a whole seat to fill with our shit. It would have puke. actually been three by four by three. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I... I Corinne texted me, how's recording going? And I just have to explain, like, we're talking about shit and puke. Yeah. You're not going to no. listen to it anyway. It's all right. <laughs> no, no. Horrible. Um, one question you may be asking. Next slide, please. How do you How about all the poop and puke? Oh, uh, that's that's one question. I think you have to burn the plane down. Um, yeah, sort of like that's probably PFLP fair. style. How are the pilots doing? And oh. the answer is fine. They're just totally fine. Um... In Did they a, they just trucked it or they didn't eat it? No, they were fine because in a very clean reproduction of the gag from the movie Airline about how the guy had lasagna instead of chicken or fish, they had the oh, steak. No, that's airplane, um, not airline. Did I say airline? You I said meant airline. airline. You, you wrote you wrote airline. Uh, did I? Yeah, I yeah. did. Fuck. Leslie Nielsen in airline. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, but because they was they were still on Alaska time, so they had dinner instead of breakfast, and they had steaks. Um, but pure chance, there was absolutely no guideline or regulation from anyone about them having different meals. And this is the bit that's going to fuck you up. There still isn't. Um, it, like no air, no air authority mandates this. Airlines might require it, but like they don't say that they don't want to tell you. Um. It's, you know, if they have internal guidelines, they just don't want to share that. So it happened again. Um, I am imagining having to wrestle a fully loaded 1970s wide body heavy airliner onto the tarmac while also shitting and puking. <laughs> oh, could be worse. At you could. Point. It, it, it's not a problem because you know you're not going to die by wire here. Um, you know, this is, <laughs> you can, yeah, I guess yeah. you just accept on the if you, controls. Yeah, if you puke onto the you yoke, think, there's no you, problem. <laughs> right. I figure, like, if you're Sully, can you imagine, like, oh, sir, you like heroically put it down in the Hudson, no loss of life, mm -hmm. and you come out of the cockpit just covered in shit and puke. I just feel like, I feel great. Can you give me like 10, 20 minutes before we do an interview, please? Is anyone got to change your clothes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a shirt. I really just need a shirt. Like, I, I always thought it'd be funny. Please don't like, film uh, me from the waist down. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever do some sort of heroic rescue, and I end up because I will end up puking uh, in the middle of that heroic rescue, I'll be like, "Nah, film the vomit. I don't care." Just like <laughs> local hero, as I as I am clearly covered in my own fluids. 
<laughs> I mean, the pilots are the best off because they don't have to smell it. They've got oxygen masks. Like, they have their True. own sealed oxygen supply. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like if you're just up there, you've had, like, a nice... You've had a lovely steak dinner. At some point, someone's got to tell you. Like, one of the one of the cabin crew's got to get on the phone and tell you what's happening and to try and convey in words. We're now up to about 40... We're now up to about seven inches of liquid on the floor. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a free surface effect risk yeah. at this point. Uh, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta worry about it. You don't want to... You don't want to descend too steeply, or you'll just submerge first class in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, people are clawing at the, like, flimsy pre-9-11 cockpit door. They're trying to beat themselves to death out of shame on the seat rests. Um, uh, this, is, this is a horrifying experience. Next slide, please. But they land the plane, is the main thing. They land the plane safely. And Denmark is not prepared for what's about to happen to it. Imagine, imagine being the ground crew who have to open the doors. <laughs> imagine just walking, just walking. Those poor, those poor, those poor guys that American Airlines hires to clean the plane out, just walking in with NBCR suits. I think at this point, you you, you probably have to uh, remove all the interior furnishings from the plane. I think that's the only way you go for. Oh yeah, there. yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking of the moment you crack the door and the air hits you. Are they, I, going into there is a, no... are they going into a jetway or air stairs? <laughs> I, as I understand <laughs> it, this is it air stairs like down Papa's to waiting ambulances. I think <laughs> air, stairs, air stairs is probably the better option here, I think, because that'll be the passengers will be introduced to better ventilated air. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to like soil the airport also. Yeah. <laughs> um so, so they, I mean, the other thing is there is no radio explanation that will like prepare you for this, right? I don't think there's any sort of like request for assistance from a plane that's like, no, it's mostly full of shit at this point yes. and puke. Like you don't believe that until it's happening, I think. Um, but so the Danish authorities, they decant all 364 passengers out of this fucking nightmare. Um, and, like, I, I can't emphasize enough how serious food poisoning mostly isn't. Like, it's unpleasant, right? But it's mostly, it's self-limiting. You, you, like, keep people hydrated and resting for a couple of days. Speaking of which, mostly... I'll be right back. Nice. I keep the recording then... going, right? I don't yes, pause. Please. Yes, okay. You don't. Okay. Um, I'll just keep going. Yeah. yeah. Um, mostly, mostly people are just, like, fine. Like, you have a rough couple of days but like unless you're very old very young uh like have a compromised immune system where you're like otherwise infirm that's not to discount those as like you know valuable populations or whatever but like most people most people numbers, are gonna be fine yeah they're gonna be fine exactly um this i i don't know maybe it's just like by virtue of shame or the sort of like horror to which they've been exposed they have to hospitalize 144 people. I imagine they probably like, just do it as a precaution, because they don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah, I mean, apparently 30 of them come in in critical condition, which I I don't know what that means, other than that you are, like, shitting yourself to death, almost, like, medically speaking. Yeah, it's like, you know, um, you're, like, actually raising out of your seat. 
from the jet of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I I was thinking more like a sort of a cumulative thing rather than like velocity where you're like piled on top of it. But like, yeah. Well, you got to think, you know, you got probably pretty nasty dehydration as well. You know, you probably want to give people some IVs, you know, you probably got a whole bunch of shit going on here. Uh, as as I understand it, and I'm open to correction on this, or indeed any of the science I've I've dredged up for this, what you're mostly doing in this case is like rehydrating people with IVs, there, uh, maybe antiemetics. There's a guy in there who's like me and a little too over enthusiastic about eggs. He ate it the quickest. He has the most dehydrated man on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like the guy at the end of like um, uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like he's fucking all of the moisture has left that guy's body. Yes, uh, he's like mostly sand at this point. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing is that like this is more people than Copenhagen hospitals have space going, which means that like one plane full of people having diarrhea would cripple any British city in 2023. Um, Yeah, so like they have to treat like 53 people in temporary field hospitals. And I, I'm imagining the call to the Danish military that's like, the emotional whiplash of come here and wipe (laughs) yeah we need all of your emergency medical capacity like immediately we're we're having like an 1850s problem everyone's got dysentery (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly like there's not like a nuclear attack there's not like a you know a terrorist attack it's a lot of people shitting horribly yes um also i should say none of the doctors speak japanese very few of the people on the flight speak Danish, and in those days, way fewer Danish or Japanese people spoke English, so they don't necessarily have a common language. So they have to get stuff from Japanese restaurants in to act as interpreters. Um, but you know what? No one dies. Um, yeah. you know, everyone successfully, horribly recovers from Wish maybe the. Had. But they wish they had. <laughs> Yeah, from maybe the most traumatic experience you can have uh, it's, it's ever. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, pretty bad experience to have. Um, unless there was like really bad mm. turbulence on the flight and all the poop was sloshing around. Oh you know? <laughs> god! Mm. Um, next slide, please. Uh, because I, I am slightly lying. One person does die, um, and this is Kenji Kuwabara, who is the vice president of international in-flight catering, uh, who shoots himself. In his Anchorage apartment, out of shame, um, and it's okay, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, Japan Airlines statement on it is like that was weird. We don't know why he did that. We didn't like. Uh, we feel bad that he felt that he had to do that. I was um, about to say it. I don't think it was his fault. Even I, I don't think no. anyone could have reasonably predicted this given the standards of the time. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and th- this is not like a much written about thing. There isn't like a memorial at the airport to this. Yeah. <laughs> like um there's hardly any detail aside from like a couple of New York Times articles. And this would be a great focus on if anyone wants to do like some historical research. Um but also a complicating factor for that is that if I had been on this flight, I would carry that shit to my grave. I would never say a word to well, anyone. Well, you wouldn't have. You would have expelled it in the airport. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would say, never yeah. need to shit again. Yeah. I would. I would, yeah. Just, I, sh- I, shat, that, I shat my brains out quite literally. 
<laughs> but no, I, w- I would like never disclose that fact to a single person. Um, so what we do know about this is like largely the result of some interesting medical detective work um, by microbiologists in Copenhagen and the Alaska State Health Department and the CDC. Um, and a particular shout out to a guy called Dr. Mickey Eisenberg at the US Public Health Service, who in, I think, the most audacious piece of medical instruction I've ever seen, asked the group on their return flight, which, I mean, imagine the return flight. Imagine Just the take-up right on those omelets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, asked people to sit in their same seats and fill out a questionnaire about the food to try and map the link between illness and omelette. Um, which... Yeah, I'm not Fuck having you. the omelette on the way back. Uh, no, thank you. I'm hoping there was a different aircraft on the way back, though. I like, really I, hope so. I, I, I hope they weren't like... No, I had no to we go kept s- the same one, motherfucker. <laughs> we don't even know which aircraft this was, or like what they did to clean it. I, I assume it would be a similar Japan Airlines 747. But hopefully yeah. not the same one. It depends on how long their vacation was. How long does it take to completely replace all the furnishings in a 747? (laughs) It's not. It's just poop. It doesn't. No, I. I, And that kind of like moquette fabric that they were big into in the 70s that doesn't wash. Yeah, I was about to say it'd be a it'd be a hell of a job to try and de-poop that aircraft. Mm, Viscera cleanup detail DLC. um, Yeah, I was about to say greatest games of all time. There's no carpet in that game, is there? No, no, exactly. I mean, it's just mopping. Yeah, that would yeah. be like, that'd they, be they the need hard to, like, mode, is you have a lot of carpet in there. <laughs> yeah, I really need to see, like, the, the sequel yeah, to that, where you have to, like, steam vacuum. Plain manageable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing you can do with uh, with bacteria sometimes, and particularly um, um, uh, staphylococcus, is you can, like, fingerprint it. Uh, and so they identify like the specific kind of bacteria, and they trace it all the way back to that one guy's fingers, Will Rogers' fingers. No word on what happens to Will Rogers. Never identified publicly. Uh, I think he probably gets fired, but like, I don't know. Damn near then, crashed. He, he bandaged it up, though. <laughs> he did everything the company policy did. He, what was that? That's true. Yes. He all the same, damn near crashed a seven four seven into the ocean. Yes, um, he didn't. <laughs> and the pilots well, were fine. His his bacteria did. Uh, next slide, please. This, as you might imagine, triggers a sea change in the airline catering industry. Uh, because of this, it's a lot safer now. They make you wear gloves. They make you wear a mask. Um, Airlines mostly introduce their own regulations about crew meals, but no one tells them to, no one makes them, and they don't have or want to tell anyone what they are. Um, I, my, my note for this is, we often say safety regulations are written in blood. This is an example of safety regulations being written in poop. Yes. Um, Very faintly, you. because there's a lot of liquid in that poop. Yeah. 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 Hey, but uh, I, I, I also enjoy the little catering truck. I find airline catering a weird fascinating little industry um on the one hand uh it's very clean on the other people do still get food poisoning on planes uh the fda only inspects those facilities every three to five years um where like for a restaurant it's like every year um 
and like stuff always happens. But these days, it's mostly norovirus. Uh, it's mostly from people like not sanitizing their hands and they're reheating it and stuff. Um, Learn to be- wipe. Yeah, it doesn't even begin yeah. to compare to cruise ships, um, where it's you know much worse. Um, it's always extremely funny when that happens. Oh yeah, the ship of poop. I mean, yeah. it's like this, but like longer. I mean, at least they have more bathrooms. Um, yes, this is true. But I, I will say that given approximately three billion people fly on airlines every second, as everything I read to try and get rid of my fear of flying reminds me, um, and this is a rarity, they must be doing it mostly right. Um, I have one other little slide, which is just a fun fact that I found. Next slide, please. Which is uh, one of the kind of, to be honest, few like unambiguous success stories of vertical farming Probably uh, is the, the only salads success. for airline food. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, all of this, all of the like salads for like airlines, uh, that's been grown in a like former steel mill in Newark, New Jersey, huh. um, which has hey, we've been there. <laughs> yeah, has three hundred and ninety acres of uh, of arable land on one acre of site, which I think is cool. Um, I wish it worked for anything other than airline food. Um, on the other hand, I, I think it ties in with a trend of like, you know, we're bringing back the class divisions of the, the sandwich wars. The sandwich wars are back, you know, where uh, you, you read about, you know, uh, anything about first class catering and it's like, oh, we're working with like Michelin starred chefs. We're going to have like a tasting menu um, and you get a beautiful little artistic plate. And then if you're flying in the economy, you get like a pack of they chips spit thrown on you, at the yeah. back of your head, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a JFK like velocity. Um, <laughs> Uh, I love spitting on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and next slide, please. That's the deal with airline food. And I that's put this together. the deal <laughs> with airline food. <laughs> right, we, ma- we made it to an hour. Uh, I put this together in about as long. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for subscribing to the Patreon. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you for subscribing to the Patreon you. and allowing me to take first class flights. Where yeah. I don't get food poisoning. Did that. Yeah, I, well, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It was less expensive than Amtrak. <laughs> uh uh-huh. Half the price of Amtrak, in fact. <laughs> Aristocracy of labor strikes again. Yes. Um, uh, next, uh, the next mainline episode. I don't know what that's going to be. The next bonus episode. We're going to finally, finally try and talk about fashion. Um, and it you know, turns see if out, we can't... Uh, fashion is danger. That's yes. right. You think yeah. that fashion's your friend? The fashion's a stranger. <laughs> yes. Very good. Okay, that was a podcast. Yes, it was. <laughs>